Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Monday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is January 30th. Andy, how we doing? Brendan, I'm doing great. I'm uh, I'm a little chilly. It's a cold morning here, but uh, I'm, I'm glad we waited. We get the uh, Rory Reed showdown in the final round in, in Dubai. And uh, yeah, and it was, what, what a weekend. It was an awesome, awesome weekend of golf. This is like an awesome week of golf. Uh, a really good leaderboard at Farmer's. Um, look, we had some messages this morning about where's the episode. We were sitting around all day Sunday, kind of back and forth. It was a really quirky week, right? With the Saturday night finish, we could have maybe recorded Saturday night and done one this morning, but we felt like at that point we should wait for maximum freshness for this Dubai finish. And I suppose we could have gone at like four thirty in the morning Eastern or something like that when it finished. But yeah. uh, sorry, we could have just not. I could have just not slept. You, you know? could have. I, I could have just uh, or, thrown all the other things I need to do today out the window and and uh, pulled an all nighter and but, uh, wait, you know no, made everybody happy. I think we're. I think you know we're happy we waited because we got the Roy Reed thing. Obviously, Saturday's finish we will talk about at length. We'll talk about Patrick. Where, Reed where's everybody finish. saying that the world rankings suck and that John Rahm's the number one player in the world? I'm not saying that he's not the number one player in the I world. Mean, but do you see? A, do you see yeah. how silly this is? How silly? How silly all last week's discourse. It's a two-year rating, right? It's a. It's 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 yeah. It's, Look, Rory McIlroy wins again. I it's mean, not it's a thoughtless just, process. It's not a thoughtless, you know, purely subjective thing. It's well, a, just the the whole premise of this guy should be I number know, one in the world I when know. the other guy hasn't teed it up all year. You know, right. and ended the year at the end of last year. Everybody right. says, without a doubt, Rory McIlroy is the number one player in the world. He doesn't hit a shot in 2023, and everybody wants to supplant him. And uh, here he comes out, opens up with first win, uh, first turn of the year, first win of the year. What a lot of like dynamite, absolutely dynamite, perfect start for Rory. Amazing weekend for the Europe DP World Tour. Amazing, you know, I had that like take couple weeks ago that this could end up being like the an incredible time to be a golf fan just with like you have the netflix show and you have the circus of these guys commingling live at some events which we certainly got this week with polter and t-gate and all these other things and then like all these elevated events to direct our attention to i don't know we always have energy here in the first month of the year but it feels like it's really coming together and this weekend was amazing with the an awesome leaderboard at a non-designated event on the pga tour and then really like the perfect i don't know the the cliche was tempest in a teapot i don't know it was more of a of a tempest in that giant ass like coffee arabian coffee mug or that trophy thing that they had i think it's supposed to be a coffee it's supposed to be a facsimile of a coffee thing bull in a china shop (laughs) it was awesome rumbling around in there i watched i watched the replay uh all morning it it's so we always try to contextualize some of these wins like and you know, we maybe know better that it than you out there. I think typically a Rory win in January means very little. Um, we would say Rory is an all-timer. We know that. But winning again in Dubai, although he's off the Rolex series, Schneid. What was more demanding than not having the Masters in his in his resume or no Rolex series event? He was was that real? That. He didn't have any yeah. Rolex. He was Man. joking about how Harry gets a gold bib now or something. I get that. So he's off the Schneid on the Rolex series. But we typically wouldn't assign a ton of weight for an all timer like this. It doesn't add a lot to the. But this felt like a win that really, really means something. Given well. his recent history, there eighteen. <laughs> Given the leaderboard, given that he didn't have his best stuff, he tried to be kind of gentle about that. But he's like, I didn't play very well this week. Go ahead. You want to get something in there. Also, just given the uh, 
All the shenanigans that. Whoa. Yeah. Number two, the guy that finished second was pulling all week. This is what he said. Mentally, it was a very tough day. I think he said something like, it was like one of the toughest days mentally he's ever had out there. It's like I could have let, I felt like I could have let my emotions get in the way. I expended a lot of mental en- energy trying to focus on myself, focus on shooting a score rather than trying to reach a number. Um, he's like, there was added incentive because it was up there. Absolutely. Uh, but at the end of the day, I want to win for me. I want to win for my legacy and leaving my mark on the game. I, I mean, it's, there's two sides of this coin. Patrick Reed probably plays better because of like the, shitstorm around him and because there's a r- r- motivating rory there to beat his, he wants to beat rory rory is like expected to win number one in the world lead dog i gotta think like i fully believe him mentally it was very tough for him i'm not sure he is the same as patrick reed in that circumstance where it's a little harder to not get carried away trying to uh just focus on beating patrick reed as opposed to shooting a score yeah, I, I mean, obviously, he came into the day with a three-shot lead, and, yeah. and they weren't in the same group. I imagine this would have been more difficult if they were even more difficult if they were in the same group and Reed was out there playing. He, I mean, obviously, Patrick Reed played a great round of golf. In, 65, I think. It, it, it never ceases to amaze me how how many great rounds of golf he plays after after. Rules we'll get to that. We're going to get to that. Yeah, and just to um, be all the, the good stuff, that shot into 18 was insane. Like, I mean, he's just so good. Guy yeah. who shapes the ball, literally on a strain right over the top of the flag, the waterfront. It was amazing. He played well. Hey, played amazing. How about the hot plate pat uh, theory? <laughs> what about it? The heft. He's playing playing, playing good. He wanna, get, I, he I needs a little heft for the best part of his game, you know? <laughs> So I was trying to find Just playing way. I was messing around on the leaderboard this morning, the European tour. And like, you know, European tour has lists hobbies. I like clicked through trying to find a score card. And it just took me to his profile page. And it lists his hobbies as Notre Dame football and also cycling and swimming. I'm just trying to imagine, you know, and I'm not trying to get it. He's he's a triathlete. Oh, I just like, is he Lance Armstrong down there in the biker outfit rolling down the the hills of Texas or yeah. Like I just, I'm just trying to envision Patrick Green. Maybe he's an Iron Man. How how could you cheat in an Iron Man outside of doping? I mean, you could take like the Rosie Ruiz, the the girl who took the tea during the Boston Marathon. You could do some end arounds there. Take yeah, the train, like get, you could swim, get, cut some get, corners. Yeah, I mean absolutely. that seems like a great sport for him. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, uh, Rory, this win. I mean, I don't, I don't think for me it changes any anything about Rory. I mean, I I don't think I think this was just more of a, a statement win. Listen, like the longer these live guys go without winning any any events of of significance outside of live, I think the the more and more they fade into obscurity. And you know, if Patrick Reed won this uh, Dubai event, beat Rory, you know, all of a sudden it adds like a little fuel to the live OWGR fire. You know, all that and the fact oh, that he I didn't think that's still there. Oh, it's definitely still, still Patrick Green it's was def- a very competitive, great player this week. Yeah, it, it's still there, but I think the, the them having somebody finish out on top, you know, okay. like we have not seen any of their players win an event that's not in a live a live event since they've gone to live, right? Mm, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's going to be a significant occasion. I I assume it's going to happen this year, just based off of. <laughs> You know, Cameron Smith, somebody. There's a lot of studs. They've got a lot of great players, and and you know that's it's going to happen. But you know, this would have been an extra middle finger to the European Tour if if they won this Rolex Series event. Like if this happens in Oman when they're you know playing in a couple weeks, or that's an Asian Tour event. Um, but like this, this would have meant a little bit more, and I think that's the significance of it is that you know, taking you know. Rory not getting taken down by Patrick Reed on Sunday is uh, is quite relevant. And obviously, birdie in the last two to do it, you know, uh, back I, against the wall. Pretty incredible stuff. Yeah. I, I don't Will You say it doesn't change anything about Rory for you. Like how I feel like it felt like a little different for me. And I, I don't want to over like the 
European Tour just released you better, a social you better media get video your, uh, on the politest man in golf, and it's Rory saying thank you. It's like we don't need to do this. Like Rory is a great god, a great guy, but we like got him up a little bit too much, and it creates some of the backlash that. Uh, um, uh, live boy uh, live about backlash i well just people in general like the media overpraise rory which may have some credence to it but i don't think that you know he's uh i think there is i think that's the case for anybody that that winks and waves to a uh a media member is uh is well, then overpraised it's, it's, it's the it's very true at a it's very guy. true of both winners this week there is there is significant uh, like <laughs> there if if you're if and and this is I do not mean this in any sort of but like this happens in every single sport. Anybody right. who's nice to the media is then over like oh. overpraised like relentlessly and I think that's super that's I I so the case with Rory. It's so the case with Max Oma. Well, and I I I think Max Oma and both both of them are on amazing runs. Yeah. Um yeah. But they also are to the media, and this is like they're just like nice people. They're compelling <laughs> figures too. They yes. say interesting shit. That like, it's yeah. like, let alone whether they're nice they're to the nice media people. or not. But yeah, they're compelling and say interesting, thoughtful things, and they're very good at golf. Um, they're people. They're like the rare PGA Tour player who asks like a media member how they're how they are doing, and is genuinely interested in in somebody in somebody else's life. So, like from that standpoint, then they get really good coverage. Like yeah. that—that's one hundred percent true. I, I also just want—I want people to say interesting things, and that's even like maybe Brooks Kepka, who could be maybe a dick to me or a dick to media members. Like if he says something that's interesting, I'm all in on it. I like him. Uh, and Rory and Foma fall in that bucket. Anyways, I started this caveat not to say like we tend to overpraise Rory, or or I don't know. It's it's hard to get. It's just what's you know to separate you know apples from oranges when it's just a wash of praise all the time but this felt like it meant a little extra for me and my assessment of rory given the reed thing give like given his history there at the 18th hole and boy (laughs) did it come close again um and given like he didn't have his best stuff, I think that was a massive part of you know you talked this week this year he started this year talking about Rom just winning when he's supposed to win, um, and he's probably had closer to his best stuff these last month. Rory, <laughs> I love this quote. I don't want to be disrespectful to everyone else that played this week, but I could be a lot better. The most satisfying thing to me this week is I haven't had my best far from it and be able to win when you don't have your best. That's sort of like the Holy grail of what we are trying to do, which is just an awesome quote from like an elite athlete and an elite golfer. And you saw that starting Thursday, like he was going to shoot like 71, 72, 70. And he, what does he go? Five under the last four or four under four under through the last three. And all of a sudden it's like the reverse of the oh, I, the frustrated golfer. Like, oh, I could have shot 66 or I left eight shots out there. It's the reverse. Like he stole around there in the last 45 minutes. And so, yeah, the holy grail winning when he didn't have his best stuff, winning at the end on a hole that's given him fits or, you know, popped him in the face the last year and then last yes Saturday. And then with the whole Patrick Reed, like mental grind of it, I thought it just it, it, it just is a different kind of win for someone who's won pretty much everything. Yeah, I, I you know, I think too there's like a a thing about I, obviously I think the the mental gymnastics that Rory's has gone through in his career and yeah. I think last year he was really, you know, on the right path for major championships. He talked about just being patient, controlling what he what he can do. I think like a telltale sign of a of a golfer being in that type of state of mind is when you see rounds where they aren't playing great, but then there's a flurry finish at the end to make it a very good round, right? Because mm-hmm. that shows that they're being like patient. That means they're they aren't trying to force it. They understand that they can just as easily finish five under through the last five as they could starting five under through five. That's the way golf works, right? You don't know when your flurry of birdies and eagles is going to come, but it can come at any point in the round. And I think that's, you know, a lot of that is being comfortable in what you're doing as a player. So I think Rory, uh, it, it, it fits that. And I think like one of the things I, I was thinking about with Rory winning, um, and this goes a little bit more towards that discourse of like 
best player in the game. Yeah. You know, this is a revolving door, this title, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, the reality <laughs> is like, this is all because of, of Tiger. I think the game of golf outside of Tiger, Jack Nicholas, really hasn't had like a mainstay of best player in the game. Um, if you go back the last 10 years, these are all the players that could probably claim they were the best in the game at one point. So you have Luke Donald, Rory, Tiger, Spieth, Jason Day, DJ, JT, Justin Rose, Brooks, John Rahm, and Scheffler. Those are all guys that got to number one in the world. Then list. others that you could add in there yeah. are like, I think Morikawa after his open win, everybody's like, this is the best player in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cam Smith, I think after his open win, it was kind of that type of close. He was close. I don't think he probably got there because of what Scheffler had done and what Rory had done in the majors, but it was really close. And then I think like even like Hideki, remember that crazy winter run when he won yeah. like four yeah. of six events? Everybody was like, oh, he's the best player in the world um, right now. And then you have Bryson even after the US Open win. Yeah. Yeah. So like you get these spurts, right? But I think the better way to start to contextualize this is like, how often do we consider somebody the best player of the world? And like it's like Rory. Rory. Rory's years. like popped in in the last yeah. 10 years. Rory, yeah. since really since 2010, Rory's yeah. popped in there probably 25 times as the yeah. best player. And, and nobody has even come close to that. Like DJ would be the closest to right. that right. of that group of players in that time frame. Right. And, and like, obviously, Rom started later. It feels like he could be someone who does that over a 10, 15 year. <laughs> not stretch. according to Brandel. It's not a superstar <laughs> what <was> yet. <laughs> what was that? Somebody, was it his iron game? Is that what I only saw the yeah. quote? I never actually saw the clip. Rom's it's not one a of the superstar most on the level of JT and Rory. <laughs> JT. I know. I didn't understand that. I, I, just, I was getting in the weeds. I didn't really get that. Um, you talked about Rory Comfort. Let's just do a little bit of, of also what made this so like. Uh, you want to talk about comfort? Devil in the details. I <laughs> we think can we talk should about comfort. We should we talk about our sponsor, <laughs> Cozy Earth. It's in their name, Comfort Cozy Synonyms, right there. I I couldn't miss oh, that segue. Was not right. planned. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, go to Cozy Earth. That's this is our little January sponsor. We're almost out of January, but we've got Valentine's Day coming up in what two weeks? Fake ass holiday, but you know a lot of people we feel some, obligated. We got a couple to get of things. Valentine's Day activations. We do. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Forthcoming. Um, Just trying to convince people not to that. Uh, Valentine's Day doesn't exist when we got some great sponsors for Valentine's Day. This is a Day. legit This is a legit discount. Cozyearth.com. Use the promo code FRIDAY. You get 35%. That's a husky, husky, hefty hot plate discount. 35%. Uh, and obviously they have sizes to match for the hot plates, hot plate individuals, for the, you know, uh, wayfish little fellas uh you go to cozyearth.com or for women your wife if there's a valentine's yeah. day your significant other uh they have got bedding bath they've got loungewear they've got loungewear that you can take out of the house like joggers some of my issues with loungewear is like i gotta change to go get coffee or i gotta change to run my kids to school this loungewear is like it's it's versatile i could coach basketball in it i could also just sit around and watch nfl football on saturday or sunday or something like that so uh, I'd that's what see, i like about i'd love that. to see you at basketball practice in like a full like velour sweatsuit like baby blue or something like you be the coach that the coach you go to the games that way that's your coaching uniform uh, I do have a coaching uniform, a lucky uniform. Oh, if wow. we don't lose, I don't change. I wear it again the next weekend. It's pretty pathetic. I'm a you know almost forty year old man coaching ten year olds. But um, yeah, I do have a uniform. But yes, this is what I love about Cozy Earth. I think you know this is such an easy win as like a gift. If you get like significant other something soft, clothes, and you know by the name Cozy Earth connotes 
that it's cozy. It's a good time to get something cozy. What are the details here? It's made from viscose. Bamboo. Viscose of bamboo. No, you're not supposed to say that. Viscose of bamboo. <laughs> Premium viscose from bamboo. Not bamboo. Uh, so it's temperature I have some, I have some bamboo outside the shed. Do you think I could get the viscose out? <laughs> Start making <laughs> clothes out of the... <laughs> Out of your it's it's really starting to it's kind of menacing that bamboo it's oh up, that shit that's ripping up patio stuff fast yes too. you gotta watch that stuff people put that in thinking it's like gonna be a little privacy thing the next thing you know you're living in the jungle it's overtaking your entire, entire i think yard the thing's house. grown like three feet since i moved oh, in yeah. you gotta watch that stuff you gotta just go find a panda bear give it all, give them all the bamboo <laughs> chop it down um but go to cozyearth.com how, how do pandas get the the bamboo down do they just I munch it out are they that strong <laughs> i think they're pro- they're bears they gotta have some <laughs> some some strength don't you think i i don't know i i you can't cut it you know right are they I just that they just strong it away yeah i think they've got some some beast potential in there so you go to cozyearth.com use the promo code fried egg and you get 35% off. Again, a good gift. Thanks for them for uh, supporting us here in January. All right, going back to comfort. Rory, decidedly uncomfortable on 18. I love this. I think this added to the test. I didn't think it was that close to going in the water. I thought that was a little overplayed. Like, there was a pretty big, I don't know, a mo, you know, strip of rough that, and it wasn't going too hot. But he says, you know, he says he got lucky. And it should have gone in the water. It says it's super awkward where driver is too much and three wood is not enough. And he's obviously had trouble with that hole the whole time. And you talk about his approach last year when maybe we got too safe at the open. He decides to lay up, doesn't do something stupid, and then, you know, gets up and down from wherever he was with the wedge and 20 feet, 15 feet birdie. So I don't know. It's just not a comfortable hole for him. That added to the whole thing. Just knowing he needed, he doesn't want to go to a playoff with all the drama around Patrick Reed. And I just was really impressed with how he executed that on a hole that hasn't played. He hasn't, you know, played particularly well in recent years, and is not comfortable for him. And just adds to the whole impressiveness of the of the week. Does it mean he's going to win the Masters? No, people are talking like that, but it, it is a win that that impresses me more than uh, I would have expected, or, or other regular season wins, I should say, for Rory. Let's say, right. let's talk about hot plate, Pat. Okay, second amazing win. Uh, or amazing push on Sunday. He knuckles down when it's but, all these. But should he have been two fan. back? Um, I I have, I'm ready to pounce on him. I. What are your thoughts on this? This is the problem with these rules. Everything is subjective. Everything well, is given just, a chance of. We're Go past the, we're past this being as I alluded to. Yeah, everybody likes to call golf a gentleman's sport. It's not a gentleman's sport when people like Patrick Reed are playing for millions of dollars. Sure, you know these guys, and he's not alone. This or is Monday the thing. Qual- no. no, every every single, not every single, but all there are lots of players that are looking at every opportunity for a a advantage and. I don't know. I, I don't know how many players would have done what Patrick Reed did, um, but I know that it's not just him. Uh, oh yeah, I, there's, so there's an amazing for, story of this this event, or it was Abu Dhabi, of an extremely highly rated player, well known player, who didn't think anyone was watching, just kicked his ball in the desert, moved his ball in the desert, thought he was out of view, just way off the grid. And did it at I think it was Abu Dhabi, not this event. So there's it's not just Patrick Reed. So to give everybody anybody that that missed it, and I don't, you know, this is possible that somebody missed it. The seventeenth hole, because I didn't know I I I was kind of unplugged because it was Sunday morning and the yeah. tour was done, and I was like, it's the third round of the European tour. I went for a walk with my uh my uh my family, and uh and and I ran into somebody who's who's a golf nut. And he was asking me about about the Reed incident, and I yeah. was like, "Wait, what happened?" Yeah. So, so it's possible that people miss this. So on the seventeenth hole, Patrick Reed hits it right. There's three palm trees. The ball hits into the palm trees and Six. doesn't come down. Yep. 
So he goes up there and he identifies the ball and one of the, it was probably walks the third. There. Doesn't go walks, up the tree. He's on yeah, the ground. walks up. Yeah. He's looking through binoculars and, with the official and he says, 100% doubt, without without a shred of doubt, that's my golf ball in the third of the succession of trees. Well, there's, that's where he gets into trouble, removing all doubt because it's just... Seems, well, that's the, that's the rule. You have to, one without a, a shred of doubt, identify your golf ball for it not to be lost. So the big reason why this is a big deal, by identifying his ball, he could take an unplayable, which is a drop right at the tree. So it's a, stro- a stroke penalty. You drop right at the tree. You're hitting three from the tree, hitting a short approach shot into the green. If it's lost, he has to go back to the tee. He's hitting three from the tee. So it's effectively he saved himself a shot here. He identified the ball. He said there was an arrow on it. The distinct marking. Now, like I, everybody's so there's arrows on every ball. A lot. Then there's video evidence that comes out later. It's and and Brandle did an amazing job. I was hollering, laughing when he started (laughs) talking, doing the breakdown of how it would have to hop from one tree to the other one where Patrick Reed apparently identified his ball when he hit. Gains altitude and then fixes so, through the branches. I started it screaming goes, laughing. The video shows it goes into the first tree. It hits on like an a very sharp level of descent into the tree. Does it and as for Brandel you. mentioned? It does conclusively do that for you going in that first tree. I think yes. most people agree with that. There was some doubt. Okay. All right. So it goes into this first tree. As Brandel mentions, as you were just talking about, it's Basically impossible for the ball to get to the tree that Patrick Reed was looking for his ball. Now, here's like the issue. Say somebody scaled up the tree and found Patrick Reed's ball. He would just say they should have done. Well, he would just say, I hit one in there during the practice round. That would have been the response. And this this is the problem with the rules of golf. That's exactly what he would have done. And it would have it it wouldn't have gotten us anywhere else. Yeah. This, is, this feels like a yeah. a golf advice. I was thinking about this. Like, how would you approach this if this was a golf advice email? Um, so he takes a drop, but it's just like whenever given the opportunity to gain an advantage, Patrick Reed is going to do it. And the rules of golf mean nothing to him. So it's just time. Like, I don't know. It's it kind of like eerily reminiscent of, of the NFL games. Like, I was so sick of the discourse with the NFL games yesterday, yeah. how like whichever fan base was losing. Oh, yeah. this is rigged. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking they don't that want, too. They don't want the 49ers in the playoffs. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, they don't want the, they don't want the 49ers in that in the in the Super Bowl. And like, you know, like the Joe Burrow Mahomes, like the NFL would have been fine with either of those quarterbacks in the, uh, in the, the Super Bowl. The stunk, though. I mean, general, I mean, they weren't great. I, but yeah, like, I agree. I was thinking about LeBron getting fouled on Saturday night, right? And yeah. get, you know, I mean, how many times does he initiate? Oh, contact, you think that you think right? that you think the NBA is right, uh, right. is going against LeBron? Right. That was it, that was great. Yeah, yeah. The NBA is out to get LeBron. Okay, they missed it. They missed oh, the call that right. happens in rules so, adjudication in sports. Calls so I missed. think the thing with golf is golf's the only sport where the player is given the benefit of the doubt, and the player is is due to call the rules on himself. And it's been a wonderful run for golf. But the reality is, like these rules officials, like. These players, like, there's enough Patrick, there's enough people in this situation with Patrick Reed who will use the rules to their advantage because of how much money and other things are at stake, you know? And listen, like, he shouldn't, he shouldn't be allowed to be in the position to bend the rules for himself. Strong rules officials. Yeah, he cheated. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's no way, there's zero, zero chance that with binoculars, you could identify your golf ball with 100. And that's where the rules official has to push back. Be like, I'm looking at this ball and like, I can only see a corner of it and a corner of a mark. That's not 100% certainty. Yeah, that's where he gets into trouble. That's where like the people who are defending him are kind of like, um, 
you know, he, he did the best he could from 300 yards away. He went to where he thought he was told his ball was and he thought he saw it and he dropped like that's the defense. But if you're applying the certainty standard, like I, I think he gets in trouble there. This is my whole issue with the rules of golf allow for this kind of stuff allow I, for and no rules are perfect like we just talked about with lebron like just the things are just always going to be subjective never nothing's ever going to get correct or perfect i thought like quite honestly i don't think it should have been a late hit on cincinnati given time and place and you could you could reverse the frame and mahomes still has one one foot kind of inbounds and the guy's like going 100 miles an hour and pushes them i just don't think you should throw the flag there and i think it's a it's like a borderline call like there's there's just subjective rules in golf we build in intent, right? That was the problem with anchoring. They allowed for intent and stuff like that. Patrick Reed has a defense for pretty much every high-profile cheating scandal he's been in, and a defense that you could hear, like the sand one. You could kind of, you can argue he didn't know that he was doing that, or he didn't do it with intent to improve his lie. You can with the farmers with the fluffing his lie or putting his thumb in the grass, like. You can kind of wiggle out of it. With this one, I think you can kind of wiggle out of it, that he did what he thought he was was the appropriate thing to do, what he thought was right. But when those things all start to pile up on each other, and given Patrick Reed's history, going back to UGA, giving his incredibly curious, successful run at Monday qualifiers where there's less ca- ca- oversight and cameras and all this thing, it starts to pile up on each other, and there's just too big a body of evidence that – that subjective wiggle room is nil and you know he's he's and here we have like camera we have it going into the tree that he's not looking up and allegedly identifying his ball in so it's just piled up and he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt based on that and there's a lot of guys who probably are getting the benefit of the doubt that shouldn't be i think another thing i think about is um with how much money is at stake yeah. With how big the rights deals are. How has golf not gotten to the point where there's a walking official with every group? You know, do it this is it's, Open. it's an extraordinary miss in terms of golf is that you're playing for, you know, in these you're with the, the purse of the players is $20 million. Something like that. Would that have changed and, much here? Well, I don't. I don't know. I. I just think that it would have changed a lot of other situations with Patrick Reed. It would have changed, without a doubt, the Tory Pine situation a couple years ago. Um, if you have a walking rules official that's on top of this shit, like his job is to watch three guys, mm-hmm. like you're going to have less controversy. It would. It would speed up. Speed up play because a lot of like stuff is like we have to wait till somebody gets over there. In the time that it takes for a rules official to arrive is when all of like the bad shit can happen, right? Right. If somebody's overlooking in the woods, you yep. can have a rules official go over there, right? Yep. So with how much money is being at, at stake, it's kind of preposterous to me that the that the that the game of golf hasn't like risen up to match, you know, with with a walking rules official, at least at the major championships, because this is the thing with Reed. Every single win, every everything he's done in his career, based off of what we've seen, his he has a body of work at this point. Yeah. Like in terms of like these incidents, like at every corner, it, it goes back to the Costas thing about the lie in the bunker at Bethpage, right? When when he won at Bethpage, like I looked down and he had oh, a lot different lie than Costas, he had. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and that was a term he won. So it's just like. This is a game of margin and really thin margins. We talk about, you know, a bounce here, a bounce there. And if a guy is out there just basically giving himself the bounces that it takes to win, and he's able to do that once or twice around, what what are we doing? Yeah. Can we just like we there needs to be a shift in the sport and and listen, there's a lot of good guys out there that aren't doing that. And yeah. one of them Honestly, one of them's a lift guy, Lee Westwood, with with what he did with the Proper not taking a drop team. at the Open Championship. You see examples of like good sportsmanship, but I think it's almost swung to the majority of guys are out there looking to take advantage of the rules for their own gain. 
And yeah, and the absolutely. shift needs to be the officiating of the sport needs to be, hey, you can't take the rules uh, for uh, take advantage of the rules. And it even goes down to like guys just launching balls into grandstands behind greens. Right. Like yeah. these things, like if if you have a walking rules official, you're going to he's going to be like, listen, like you intended to hit it in here. So you drop Easy over though. here. This you is a really empowering. I think these guys get kind of outfitted by these players every well, every which way. It needs to be a complete change in attitude of the rules of golf. It's always right. been a gentleman sport, but these guys aren't acting gentlemanly. The yeah. majority of them, they are like they hit it into you know, yonder, and it's like oh tio tio. Yeah, you know, like right. they're excited about how they get well, to manipulate the rules of golf, that's and not that's the game we that's play. the problem. Right. That's the problem with the with the game, and that's what Reed is simply taking advantage of the situations that are presented to him by the by like really the the malpractice of the governing bodies and the in the tours to real like govern the game of golf appropriately. I thought it was amusing. I had to clarify which Costas you were talking about because I think he just tried to wasn't he threatening to sue Bob Costas for like you know hundred billion dollars uh, in CNN. So I, uh, but yeah, it was that Peter Costas, the Beth Page fluffing his lie. I mean that's that's a that's an expert's testimony. That's not you know mm-hmm. podcasters from the couch. Um, and there's just a lot. I think in addition to the r- walking rules officials. We have to use the camera replays in a more efficient, timely manner. I know we can't hold up pace of play. I did see there was an article on Golf Digest last week that they've started to do that on the PGA Tour. Like the rules officials are sitting in a booth, like like they go back to New York to review a play. Um, and I, I don't know, are more whatever. There's more cameras. There's more footage. It have to be ra- more rapid. The cameras had it here. Like we had the ability to look in the right tree or know that he was looking in the wrong tree. And somehow it didn't get caught. It didn't become part of the process. And that's another thing that we can do. If you're handing out $2 million to the yeah. winner. Yeah. Right. Right. We can afford to, to like there, the tours need to be able to afford to dish out another twenty, thirty thousand dollars to rules oversight. Like this goes down to the CT machines. This goes oh, yeah. down to like yeah. everything. Like govern the game. Don't let people like just I mean this that's the thing that's so frustrating that's so maddening about Patrick Reed is that he's just he's doing this in a way everybody knows what he's doing. Everybody knows the intent of what he's doing. But he always has cover because there isn't enough rules oversight with there isn't enough infrastructure with rules, which I'll, seems so silly because it's such a small number a dollar spend that they need to make on these events that are being played for just extraordinarily high purses. That's of, the thing. It's so frustrating is that the the tours are enabling players ability to get away with shit. Well, and it's that's bi- the bifurcation the wrong way. You've always said about well, from equipment to rules to just playing a course that's has like backboards and TIO all over it. And that's just the nature of it. But you're talking about this oversight. How rigorous do you think it was on live and all the money he just won with the four aces there? Like, who knows? It creates like, it well, creates there's so a, many, there's so many fans there that well, Arlo it, tells <laughs> me all the fans are there. So that's the oversight. It creates a skepticism. Maybe that's and when sometimes when it's not warranted, right? Maybe there's well, a cloud the of thing. like either you, you, you're uncertain of like whether it's legit or not, and maybe it was perfectly legit, but there's so much gray area that you don't know. And th- that's why I think that it's just it like it's so easy to just point the finger at Reed, and obviously he's a huge part of this problem. I'm not trying to, but the yeah, bigger absolutely. issue here is the the. He's been allowed to get away with this his entire career and nothing's changed. There's there's literally been nothing that's changed. I mean, I'd say his reputation is is not particularly sterling. I don't know that. Yeah, like, but he's still able to clean. do this shit. Right. I know he's making the money. I don't think he cares much about the reputation. Uh one thing, speaking of the reputation, Rory defended him? It's kind of interesting. Similar to what he said about him in the hero at the sand in the Bahamas. If it had been anyone else, it's a non-issue, right? I felt it was fine. Kev That's Feeney- the issue right there. What? 
If it had been anybody else, it's a non issue. Well, that's your larger point you're making. Yes. Is yeah. no, there there are dozens of other guys that are doing the same Sneaking shit. Away. Yeah, it's just yeah. The eyes are on Patrick Reed for sure. Um, and justifiably so. I felt it was fine. Kev Feeney is a really experienced referee out here, and he's not going to do anything wrong. Had it been anyone else in the field, it would have been a non-issue. But because of certain things in the past, people brought some stuff up, which is maybe unfair in some ways. It is what it is. I've stood and defended Patrick in some of the controversies. Um, this one felt pretty cut and dry that he had he had done the wrong thing. But did he intend to do the wrong thing? Did he Was he doing the best he could? That that's, he thought see, he was that, operating with you know a good intent. I think that's my ball. I think that's the tree. That's the tree. I'm told it went in, and I'm going to play from here. Um, but we could have corrected it, you know. Yeah, and and, and, and I'm not saying I'm not saying there needs to be this extreme oversight at every level of golf. But when the purses are ten plus million dollars, or what was it this week? Eight. I think it's nine something. Nine the something. Rolex series are pretty hefty. Yeah. When when he, when you're getting into that, you know, it'd be like if there was no there was no monitoring of uh, you know by the SEC, right? <laughs> like that's Somebody effectively argue. what it is. It's yeah. like, well, if you tell us you did an insider trade, we'll take your word for it. <laughs> you know, um, like that's that's the way the game of golf is operating, which is fine. You know, Just, that's the way it was. But this is why these problems with Patrick Reed are popping up. Yeah, it, it makes it. Yeah. Which, given the entertainment value, an absolute dynamite week in Dubai. Maybe they want that there. Maybe we need more. Ch- Everybody's approdering. The Brandles getting me to crack up late on Sunday night. Um, it added to just like. An incredible week with T-Gate, Tree-Gate. People started calling it Rory knuckling up at the fin- knuckling down at the finish. Like an amazing anything else from Dubai. You want like I was just buzzing this morning, buzzing yesterday with Patrick. It's a cheating scandal again. Poulter. We had Poulter involved. Who you know? There's been drama around Poulter this month with birthdays and live. He's he's like making a run at the lead, makes a seven on eighteen, dumps it in the water. Um, like he was involved, just an amazing, uh, opener or not. I mean, it's Rory's opener, but amazing opening month for a DP world tour. Anything else from Dubai while we're on it? I joked that they were writing Michael Thorbjornson and, uh, Pissbear almost finishing the same shooting the same score. That is a nugget. After all the stuff that happened, that's what you'd pull out. Pissbear, Thorbjorn Olsen and Thorbjornson <laughs> finishing close to each other on the leaderboard. Another reason why this... Uh, they had to be really close place. to being paired together. I'm sure. Sure. The Reed and Rory were dodging each other all weekend. There was a lot of drama around that, too. Great event. Um, let's move on to Saturday nights. I mean, this... Had this, we recorded Sunday night or Saturday night, we lead with Max Homa, but we're, we're leading with the Dubai and the cheating uh, controversy and Rory winning something of significance, in my opinion. Uh, Max Homa wins another event of significance. Uh, not easily. He shot a 66, but he won by two. Sam Ryder sort of fell back. Keegan and Colin Morikawa uh, made slight pushes, I would say. Keegan more so, chance on uh, 18 there. But Max Homa wins his sixth event. Uh, an astounding run of golf, an amazing run of golf. There was a lot of um, timelines. Five wins in 46 events. Right. And I think Porter tweeted something like, no one's won more since a certain cutoff. Like, he's won a shit ton of events. I think the run and the talent that Max Homa is is almost obscured by his popularity. Like, he, I'm not suggesting he's underrated. He gets a lot of run and a lot of just praise and publicity but it's almost like he's been embraced as this character of like an interesting character interesting player that's sometimes obscures just how incredible this run of wins is at pretty good great of pretty good events and in circumstances and this was drawn out a ton on saturday like the closing aspect. That's what that's what jumped off the page to me with Rory today was closing. And then obviously with, with Max, his ability to close and the right times. There was a quote, I think, in the golf.com article by Dylan about how his coach said he's cold-blooded in those moments. Like he does have that walk, that sort of that saunter. And I just think like this run, if it's another name that's maybe not as popular on Twitter or popular with media or going on, pardon my take or ESPN with SVP or like 
it's almost like we're we're shouting about it more, the actual golf more. But sometimes the golf gets lost in the love and person, which the, the justifiable love and personality of Max. It, to me, it, this win, I we always talk about this with like at a certain point, do wins mean something to you with players, right? Yeah. And I think Max is getting to the point where it's like you know, it's just another win, right? Right. But to me, the like the Fortinet. Um, in the fall, that was he won. It was a it was a good win, but it was just another win, right? Got a little help from Danny Willett, but yeah, he won. He went and won. The, this one, I take away something from, and I think like one of the thing I I think this like to me, I I was very skeptical of Max and his ability in majors, and if he had really like if he was just a really good tour player, or if he was a major championship threat to win and to me walking away from this one i felt oh wow like he could really contend at majors and that's because you know tory tory's setup is similar to majors narrow fairways thick rough and i don't think he's ever you know he's he's a really good driver of the golf ball but i don't think he's ever like on the on the in the stratosphere of a rom or a finau where it's like you know these guys are next level but he's he's hitting it past long guys um and i think the big thing is and we'll see if this holds the rest of the year this is iron play has gone from really good to elite and when you start to drive in like above average driver of the ball elite iron play really good short game and really good putting and you start to look at it it's like wow you know, this guy has everything if that iron play is there and he could be there to stay. He's 32 and he's kind of a little bit of a throwback player. It's yep. weird that we are seeing a player, you know, improve and get it feels weird because, you know, we don't see this. It's like Phenom and they're good from day one. Right. That's been the trend of, of golfers for the last five years. Is it's it's about the players that are bursting onto the scene and becoming elite really quickly. Homa is a little bit of a throwback. Yeah. I mean, like this is the this is the career arc that used to exist. That like the first, you know, the struggles he went through, miss, missing all those cuts his first year on tour, getting sent back down. This is the arc of like a lot of great players. It's like it didn't click right away when they got to tour, but the more they played on tour, the more they improved year after year, the more they got comfortable, the greater the player they are. And I feel like, you know, I think that I don't know if you would admit this. I, I'm sure he's probably talked about this on one of his 35 appearances on some on podcasts, but like I imagine that having the struggles early on really, really helped him. And it might have yeah. given him a little bit of an edge to to him that other players don't have. And maybe that's like, the, we just talked about all the margins, Pat Reed taking advantage of the margins. Those little edges are kind of what makes differences when you're coming down a golf tournament looking to close on the back nine, right? And well, he might be a killer because he's seen the bottom. Yeah, it impacts different people different ways. There's like the the phenom, there's the Harrington quote, like the scar tissue can sort of impact you, right? The phenom, when you start to lose it, you lose your innocence and all that. Whereas Homa is like the flip, the reverse of that. Like he's seen the bottom. I'm going to, I, I'm going to go at the green in 18. I'm going to hit this cut shot 200. You talked about this iron play. Like obviously people were down two days gone from that. We've given his shots into the par threes on the back nine. Uh, plenty of do like you're pairing that iron play with his, his improved driving. Um, but yeah, it's like the inverse a little bit, right? He's seen the bottom, maybe that impacts and, and affects. I, I think the quote was he runs cold, not cold blooded, which is more of a cliche, but he runs cold. And we've seen that now with the comeback wins, saw it at the president's cup. Um, uh, and we saw it Saturday, I guess it was. Um, if you, if you think about the, the players ahead of him in the, in the world golf rankings, um, which aren't many at this point, you know, there's there's very few uh, who I would, I, you know, I'm sure Max at certain points in his life in his early career on the PGA Tour considered what life would look like if he wasn't a PGA Tour player. 
And yeah. if you scroll down that world ranking point or list to get to 13, I don't think there's one other player on that list that would would fill that right bucket. Well, getting back to yeah, I agree. And, my- and I think that's a unique edge that he has that other people don't have. And that could explain some of the ability to close. It's such a prolific rate here in the six win streak. And I, I just think like we're not somehow we're not. I don't know. The golf can get obscured. The run, like if Joaquin Neiman, different, different age, different point in his career. He's won twice. Joaquin Neiman had won as much as Max Homa has in the last whatever two years, two plus years. I feel like we'd be talking about the golf and the talent a little more, but we just get, I mean, Max is such an interesting personality and he talks about his struggles that we talk about that more and the golf gets a little lost in the shuffle sometimes. I don't know. It's just, I'm just trying to think of like names that you would put alongside this run where we would just be considering like that guy is like, and not saying he's underrated. Again, he gets enough praise for his, his work and his talent, but the golf sometimes gets lost a little bit. Well, I think there's a thing, too, about it where it's a lot harder to talk about players like Max from a from a performance standpoint than it is to talk about players like Rory, who have like just this otherworldly skill. Right. Yeah. Like the thing about Homa is that nothing when you watch him in person, there's nothing that jumps off to you as like, wow. Like that guy's different than all these other guys. What it is about his game that is special is that it's a it's a complete package. Like he doesn't have weaknesses. It, he you know in a way he's he's like the you know he's not the NFL player that has blazing speed or is just like a monster in size. He just does everything really well. He's always in the right spot. He's always like. That's the thing is for him, it's probably harder. It's a it's a harder thing to talk about what he does well. Like if you think about like players that you struggle to build a narrative around out and he obviously has this like his social media, his personality side that has built his image. Right. That's like what when somebody Which brings genuine, up Max Homa. I think it's not it's not a, it's no. not a yeah, it's a genuine thing. Yeah, when, when, but yeah. when it's like his defining thing, right? Yeah. If you think about uh, like who are players that we have like a, at the top of the rankings, we have a trouble building a narrative around. Patrick Cantlay, I think he's yeah. got really like similar game to Max in well, the we sense talk of like golf. Yeah, we don't like have that narrative. Well, it, you think about Patrick Cantlay, like he doesn't. It's not that he does anything like extraordinarily well. Like he's not like. He's not super long off the tee. He's not like a magician around the green greens like Cameron Smith. He just does everything really well, right? Xander Shoffley, like another guy that people struggle to talk about. Obviously, doesn't have like the huge off-course personality. Again, he's in that same mold as Max where he does everything really well. Like when when players don't, like Morikawa and Zalatoris, examples of guys that are easy to build a story. Oh, his iron dispersion with a six irons better than most guys with a wedge for Morikawa. And Zalatoris is kind of the same thing. JT, it's all about like his skills on the course first and foremost. So the players that we struggle to build playing narratives around are the ones that don't have like that, that like, skill that mm. pops off the page yeah yep it's an interesting point I, I i think the narrative around this is is like his the closing thing right in terms of mm-hmm. his encore stuff like holy shit this guy like is he's the guy tom hoagie wishes when. he was <laughs> i this was again in not easiest conditions i think labania made the point like 66 wasn't really out there right and he started in the second to last group and, and went and took it. Um, majors, his major record, his major resume is not not good. Good, but his career is not that long. There, he's basically had two and a half, three years worth. It's not like a ten year deal. It's not like a five year deal. He's played for better or worse, like twelve, say like twelve majors. And and the thing know, about it is like. He had some really bad years, and last year was the best year he had in majors. I think that it kind of 
fits his career arc, right? It seems to me that Max is one of the player, a player that like needs to get comfortable in settings, and then yeah. he thrives. Yeah. And listen, like that's that's the case for Max Homa in majors is that he's just getting comfortable, and yeah. the high level performance is coming. Just like everything in his career, he struggles at first, and then he he gets really comfortable. Yep. Uh, anything else from farmers? You watched the whole thing. I watched a, a big chunk of it Saturday. People were very excited. How about Keegan about Bradley? He's on a run. He's good. Lost thirty pounds. Did you hear? Yeah, um, I did yeah, hear he's that. Really good. We know that he's a professional golfer. He's a professional tour player. We always talk about this. The guy's guy is not one of these hanging on via rare exemptions, or he's just skating by because he he finished seventy fifth in the FedEx Cup. He's like an actual, he belongs on the tour. He's a really, really good player. Um, I think this is his seventh top eight since last year's players. Yeah. And not that many starts. And I mean, like, like the animosity I get, I don't know. There's just a backlash against Keegan. I'm kind of over that part I, of it, but I, I had backlash against Keegan. I'm I, coming all, around the other side. Have. I know. I know. He's apparently he's trying to make the Ryder Cup team, which will. You know, trigger another wave of backlash. Um, Any other... disappointment with uh, Rom? No. That again, just this was. If we could have the tours conspire more to have like we had Sunday to Wednesday on the Corn Ferry, we had Wednesday to Saturday on the PGA Tour, and then we had Friday to Monday on the Euro Tour. Like I would love to have that a little more, but like this was what the week was. There was a day there where it looked like Rom was going to win his third in a row, right? When he comes from the wrong side of the cut line, and then like really starts chasing down midday Friday, that rider number out front. You're like, all right, well, he's going to win. It was just a spectacular week. You, you start to forget about all the parts of it. Do you want to talk about Sam Ryder? Yeah. Can I make, yeah, I want to make a quick point on Ryder. So he went in that divot on uh, the final round and like, just like rolled off his back, made a good shot, got out of it. And that happens to a lot of guys. It's bad breaks. It may be, and DJ Pajowski had some tweet about, like, it's amazing what these guys, like, they just, they they adjust to it, and they go play, and he didn't he didn't bitch and moan about it. And I wonder, like, who would, right? Who would say, like, this isn't, this the calculations are off? And it made me think of, obviously, Bryson. Yeah. And I was wondering, like, because we were at Torrey, has Bryson's career ever been the same since he shot that back 944 at Torrey Pines? No, I don't think he's like, I think he had the ca- caves Valley run. I don't think he's really done anything since that 44. And I was wondering like, is Tory Pines, I know this is a meandering path from Ryder's divot and thinking of how we, Bryson would react, but it made me think about Bryson, like getting some bad breaks at that venue and him like his career, not really being the same since that's the subjective line to demarcation to create but it seems like he's never been the same since he shot that 44 go ahead it's, talk about it's funny Ryder i kind i kind of think about bryson every time i see the 13th hole at tory is that the is that the beer box one where he hit it in yeah the beer, yeah uh-huh. right so i kind of just like something that that sets in and i right. think his foot slipped on the tee right yeah yeah you got bad breaks anyways i just it's it's just been a while for him anything on Ryder? i mean it's just amazing to me how hard like it, it it kind of gets to the point of Homa and how how much he's closed and how well he's closed. But the, the whole idea is like if you haven't ever been there, how hard it is to to close out a PGA Tour event. And Ryder was like he was playing really good golf. He wasn't like perfect on Sunday, but you got to the back nine and you're kind of like, ah. I think he's going to do it, but it just like that, that chip, that chip it just the like, green. it just yeah. keeps it, that, that weight gets heavier and heavier as you get into that back nine and it just gets so hard. And then the, the mom was such a sweetheart, but they bring her in and she talks about his first win, how she's there to, she wasn't going to miss his first win. What's she doing? She's jinxing him. The mush. Yeah. Yeah complete mush right away like right right after yeah um do you want to talk about the telecast at all we can yeah there's a lot of a lot of excitement around friday max interlude you know walk and talk and uh, you know cbs's debut what what do you want to talk about 
I thought the the Max, the walk and talk, that was a super interesting look and into like what a tour player is going through in a hole. And it really well executed. Oh, yeah. Like when you talk about who's watching a golf tournament on a Saturday afternoon or a Friday afternoon. Friday afternoon. Yeah. You're talking to the hardcore fans. So give them something that will appeals to them. And that's exactly what that did. It hit the people that really love golf really loved that. Mm-hmm. And the the telecast really should be thinking about other ways that they could do that. Having said that, huge step back on Sunday. The t- commercials, like there are a lot better um, camera angles. There are a lot. They're doing a lot of things to make this telecast better. But like it's impossible, impossible to build storylines in golf and provide like guys are coming up trying to win tournaments and the nervous energy is just being cut by commercials. It's like, okay, he's walking up 18 and we're going to go to commercial when it's like, well, what's he going to do? He hit it right down the middle. Like, is he going, is he going for the green or is he like, is, oh, let's go to. <coughs> Sorry, you're good. Well, I mean that's part of what we 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 praised about Kapalua, right? It was like that was really dramatic with Colin Morikawa sort of coming undone and John Rahm pouncing, and it was built. The product was built, and the show, for better, you know, for to use a term, the show of the final round was incredibly compelling because that time in between of, of building that sort of drama of one guy falling and one guy rising. And yeah, I mean, that. think about like um, baseball in the playoffs. The thing that kills you as a fan in the playoffs of a team is like the suspense in between pitches. Yeah. Like that's what gets you. In, in football, coming down, like watching it yesterday, what gets you is like the time in between plays. They don't cut for commercials in those times, right? Right. Like, so when a guy's coming down the stretch that's going to win, there needs to be some sort of like, they they have to clear out the commercials. I don't know. They to a certain extent, to have the ability to not cut away at these really big moments in time. Like, that's the problem is that you're missing the most suspenseful moments of the round. That, at that point in the tournament, the only question was, what is Max Homa going to do in the fairway? What is he going to do? Yeah. Is he going to go? And you miss that entire discourse. The, you, you know, like, what's the point of even having analysts if there's no time to analyze situations? Because it's either going to another shot or going to commercial. I thought that shot tracer was off on that home thing too. What's he going to do? Like, oh, he's going for it. It looked like he had tugged it and it was like going left. He's yeah. missing that bunker, but it went, you know, it was a perfect play, like right over the flag deep, you know, um, but the tracer another, I don't know, maybe I'm coming around on just your, just a line take. Um, yeah, I, I, the best overall, one though, is good, the one right? that shows the whole diagram, you know, like it kind of goes that, that 80, 20 split whole diagram with yeah. it so you can actually see where it's going right right uh overall um an exciting debut for cbs i would say i guess i, I don't know the wall but like you're you're left with the sour taste just based well on i just think thing. like there which isn't a cbs production issue the it's features like the reality and, of these purses going up in the rights deal i don't know yes. how we fix this Ryan Rosillo just had had a long take a couple weeks ago on his pod about NFL, like all the commercials in an NFL game now and how it's, you know, and it was actually college football. And it's like, we can't have these games going this long and all these breaks. And, you know, it's just like, but it, this is the byproduct of rights deals. Yeah. And, you know, I it, it just sucks for the fans. That's what it comes down to is that I... You know, unless a company comes in and sponsors that that out the last hour of coverage, this is what we're kind of left with. Um, but there's got to be a way to get a little bit more creative. They they got to give these producers the ability to shift things. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, like show else? show commercials the entire time riders coming up 18 it doesn't matter <laughs> you know that's true like that's true. you got to be able to just move these things around and and have that the best part about sports is is the lead up in the doubt of not knowing what's happening and what's getting me that is not another you know series of commercials with the what's that song that jingle wow. uh the Burger Whopper, King Whopper, jingle, Whopper, yeah. Whopper. That's, you rule. that's not doing it for me. Um, yeah, I, I get. Yeah, the tension of when, like, oh my God, Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes is going to kill me, kill my dreams and hopes, and and end them right now. And like that's or, or come through the excitement, vice versa. And that's what you can get with the home of walking or Rom walking in between shots, and, and obviously analysis of the shot. So um, overall, like a awesome week of golf and now we're going to pebble we got riv on the uh, you know phoenix and riv it's just it's really really good right now we have the saudi international this week too another good field next week uh, right or is it this week uh maybe pebble week. pebbles next week or Pebble, pebbles this week pebbles yeah, coming up this week right now pebbles, yeah. this pebble phoenix riv i think saudi is this week i could be wrong though. <laughs> i think it's right now um all right we'll be back wednesday with the preview uh, show go to cozyearth.com promo code fried eggs speaking of commercials we'll just throw in here at the end yeah anything right. else we're not going to hit news we're at the hour mark there's just so much good golf to react to um, what's the news i don't know i don't know probably patrick reed oh apga marcus bird wins the apga event that was the that's the sort of byproduct of this wednesday to saturday we get the golf channel coverage of the apga on sunday um big win that's a yeah, He's, a, we're gonna see him at the Genesis too, and uh, I think that gets you an exemption to Honda. Honda, uh, so he's gonna play Florida now too. At least Honda, one Florida event. so congrats to Marcus Bird for that win. All right, that does it for this Monday episode. Appreciate you guys hanging in. Sorry for the delayed release, but thought we should wait for Dubai, and I'm glad we got to talk about that. We'll talk to you on Wednesday to preview the week that's coming.